All right, when you're done shaking hands and hugging and holy kissing one another, you can take a seat. Before I get into the message today, uh, let me set it up with the family teaching. Uh, we, have a, we always have a family moment, or we usually have a family moment, and, uh, and I have been kind of re-upping on teaching the principles of how giving affects your spiritual life. Uh, first of all, part of our discipleship series uh, is this course that you can take, uh, uh, Finding Financial Freedom. And the word freedom is something I want to talk about today. Uh, this is written by Howard Dayton, who's a, an elder at our church. Uh, it's part of the First Principles uh, Discipleship Series, as I said. And what I've been doing is I've been going through um, every lesson. He begins every lesson with a scripture. And so I've just been talking just for a moment about that scripture. The scripture for the third lesson is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. And this is what it says. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the bower, borrower is servant or slave, the actual word is, to the lender. <clears throat> now, I want to talk to you just for a moment about date, de debt. Let's go back to the, we always preach the ideal here. We always preach what, what, what is the goal of God. God came to set you free. God came to set, the Bible says, when he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid, of course, the penalty for all of our sins. So sin-wise, we have no debt. And he also, watch this, took away the power that sin has over us. In, order, in other words, it says in Romans chapter 6, sin will no longer be master over you. Now I want you to take that principle and I want you to apply it to every area of your life. I want you to apply it to emotional baggage that you drag around from the past that the Lord wants to set you free from. So, uh, I want you to apply it to that, this, the psychological um, constrictions that you have because you keep trying to go back to the past and fix stuff that you can't fix. All of us have regrets, but that shouldn't let you not be free to go into the future that God has for you. And financially, debt, while it's not sin, is at least baggage, and it weighs you down. Now, please, the devil always tries to get in here and make you feel guilty. We don't do that, you know? You, you don't, that's, that, we don't do that. And so don't let him hear a, a, a plant a rebuke in your mind. I know what it is to be in debt. I wasn't out of debt. I wasn't totally financially free until I was in my like early 60s. Uh, it just took, a lo took us a long time. But we focused on it and we concentrated on it. And we're finally totally financially free. And I want that for all of you. But it does take prioritizing your life. That's what I'm preaching about today, by the way, priorities. <clears throat> it takes understanding what it's, what it's like, the goal of not having to, you know, do you ever do that? Do you ever have kids just hanging on your, <laughs> having on your ankles, you know, and you're, <laughs> and you're just, you know, going and you can't go very fast because they're just giggling and they're hanging on and so on and so forth. A lot of you are in debt because of your kids, because of what you did for your kids. 
uh, and it was a good thing, and, 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 and you had no other way of providing for them what they needed at the time. Totally understandable. But as they grow up, you need to make them let go of your legs. In other words, you need to, you need to pay off those debts. And, we, and, and, and so that's what we want to help you do. We want to do that as a church, by the way. You're going to hear more in the fall about us just getting out of debt. Because we, we, we should not be in debt as a church. Not, not the way we operate. Uh, and so this is, he wants to set our, our church free as well. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that. But, but here's, here's the deal. This is about the character of God and what he has for you. And that is, it will never be fully operational by you until you're free to do it. And being free to do it means some of the stuff that still hangs on to you should not be hanging on to you anymore. And so stick with us and we'll teach you how to let that go and how to, how to pay off um, what we need to pay off through our effort because God has already paid it all. All right? Okay. Now, let me get into the message for today. You know, uh, we started off the year by saying, I believe God wants this to be the best year you've ever lived. I still believe it. Regardless of your circumstances, those are four very important words because most people gauge their joy on their circumstances. Exactly the wrong measurement. Your circumstances will go up and down. You are more than your circumstances. Your life is more important than what is happening around you or the situation that changes. God wants to give you a joy that is steady no matter what the circumstances. And so he wants to give you the best year you've ever had in your life no matter what the circumstances. The problem is it takes living differently than you ever have in your life in order to have something you've never had in your life. If you don't do that, you'll just keep having the same year over and over again. And so part of this has to do, or a good deal of this has to do, with what God had planned for your life when he made you. You know, I keep saying this to you, I'm not sure you believe me yet. Each one of you is, is specially created by God, knit together in your mother's womb, and God has a plan for you, ordained for you when there was not yet one of your days lived. God had something in mind for you. If you want to know why something was made, ask the person who manufactured it. Go back to the creator of it, because he can tell you. And that's exactly what we need to do. Go back to God. God, why did you make me like I am? Why did you put me in this situation I am? Why do I have the friends that I have? And so, here's how we find out. First of all, we have the general goal of God. The general goal of God, the reason we're still here, is to spread the gospel in a family called the church that'll bust up the powers of hell in this world and the powers of hell in your life. Jesus said that. On you I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Second, the reason, the way he does that is he makes disciples. That's the basic building block. And we're going through a discipleship series right now. And I'll, I'll write out for you the general summary. I'm not going to go through it uh, particularly word for word every week. But the first part of this was becoming a disciple. The making a new I am. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a new identity. 
because you have a new power, you have a new life. It's a resurrected life. Secondly, it is I am is us. God wants us to form personal spiritual families, personal spiritual families that are the church, wherever you are. And that's what we've been going through. We've been going through this second booklet that, that is entitled Belonging to a Family of Families. Northland wants to be a church of churches. We want to be a family of families. You need both a personal family that has your back and can sustain you and that knows you and that walks through life personally together with you. Can't do that with thousands of people. You can do it with the people he's given you. So everybody has that family. And then, and then you have your larger family, which is Northland. Now here's the lesson for today. The lesson for today talks about priorities. If you're, you can't, listen, you can't get where you really want to go and where God really wants you to go by accident. And most of us live life by reaction rather than intention. Here's the key. You got to live life by intention rather than reaction or you will forever be distracted from the life you were made for. This is how the Bible puts it in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Be careful, it says. In other words, here's the, the Greek means be um, be aware, be deliberate. Now watch. This, this is in the present, it's a, it's a present participle. And you see all these present participles all through this passage that I'm about to tell you. A present participle means you got to keep doing it. You got to do it again after you just did it. Now you got to do it again after you just did it. And then you, it's, a, it's a repeated or continuous action in your life. You're not careful just once. You're careful every day. You're not deliberate just once. You're deliberate every day. This is what it says. I'll, I'll read it from the screen. This is one you're, you're reading. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as wise, not, I'm sorry, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Uh, put up the next one. Put up verse 17. There it is. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, stop right there. Let me tell you kind of where we're, I, I just told you where we're going. I, I, I want all of you at some time in the future to be a part of a church that's formed around you. Because that's the only power that the church has. That's the only way the church can spread to people who will never come into a church building. And God meant the church for all the world. And so we got to do it by relationship, not by organization. And when you do it by relationship, then you become the ministers. Now, watch this. I was reading a book this week um, called Failure by J.R. Briggs. And it's all about people who go into professional ministry. Oh man, it was horrible to read. Because, because the casualty list is unbelievable. 1,500 professional ministries leave the ministry every month. Every month. Watch this. 
out of 20 people that go into professional ministry, one retires from professional ministry. One out of 20 horrible stats. Of all the people that are in professional ministry right now, 80% are profoundly discouraged. And 84% of their spouses are profoundly discouraged. So I'm reading this. I'm not thinking about professional ministries. I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm recommending that my whole congregation go into ministry. What am I doing? You know, is this a lemming deal where I just you know, run over the cliff with me here? What am I doing? I mean, you know, every part of my being a shepherd comes out. I want to protect you. I don't want you to be discouraged and drop out. And, I, you know, it's a... Then you read a little further. And you realize why, why they're all discouraged. And it's, it's simply because they had expectations for their lives that Christ never had. When you go into professional ministry... You just think you're just gonna, you're gonna have a church like Northland. You know, that's what everybody dreams. There are very few churches like Northland. And everybody compares themselves to churches like Northland. And so if you do that, what did I tell you about comparing yourself to one another? You never do that. You will always be dissatisfied, either with them or with you. And that's what they do. They place false institutional expectations on themselves or they place real institution expectations on themselves that are, that are a struggle to meet, like budgets, all right? And so there's a lot of people in the institutional church that are just struggling. But that's not you. Because this form of the church, when you say, you know, I, I want this form of the church around my family and my friends, there's no finances involved. Unless you want them to be involved. There's, there's no, I mean, there's, it's this, there's no expectations. Listen, what did, what did Jesus expect of his disciples? That they would form a committee and erect a building and, you know, send, no. That they would love the people right in front of them. The best they could with God's help. That's all he expected. That's all he expects of you. That's all I want you to expect of you. So this whole idea of setting priority, understanding the will of the Lord is really important. Because God's will for you is not that you build a great institution. God's will for you is that you love God and you love the one right in front of you. It's pretty simple. Jesus told us that in the great commandment. What's the greatest commandment? That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. Super simple. And so, when it comes to setting priorities, we need to understand this. First of all, it's not about the mechanics. It's not about how the world measures success. It was never about how the world measures success. It's all about your personal relationship your personal relationship. Let me, let me uh, uh, show you this. Uh, I am going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This, this is what it says about setting priorities. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness, as I told you, if you do a word study on righteousness all through scripture, it's meeting the demands of a relationship, both with God and with men. It's all about a relationship. When I say we've got to set priorities, I almost guarantee you the first thing you start thinking about is I got to prioritize my activities. I got to get my schedule straight. I got, I, got too, I'm, I got too much going on and I can't get it all done. That's the first, most of us, that's the first thing we think of. That's not what God thinks of. This is what God thinks of. Who do you love? Because there'll always be time to do what they need done when you love them. Always, you, you'll always do, whether it's convenient or not. I, was, I don't know what reminded me of this this week, but... About 20 years ago, uh, our youngest son was going through school and, and uh, he came home and he said, uh, said to Becky, he said, Mom, um, we, I, we got a school fundraiser. You know, they're always school fundraisers. Uh, um, and, so, and so the magic, this is, now remember, this is back when they were in the arena. You remember the arena? The magic would just um, um, let people come in and sell programs and then the school would get to get a portion. They'd give a, you know, so much money every program that's sold and so on and so forth. And so Joel comes home and looked at Becky and said, I signed you up. And so, and so, and so Becky, not, you know, we, there's, a, there's, there's a little bit of difference when you do stuff in the community, but just because we were, again, uh, she was, even at that time, you know, our, our church was, you know, going great guns. She had a thousand things she needed to do that night. But it was our son. It's not about what you do. It's about who you love. So there she is. I went down that night because I want to make sure she, you know, was okay. And I just kind of stood there. And she's standing there selling programs, basketball programs. And, 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 I, and I watched person after person do this. Hi. Becky? Yeah, want to buy a program? She, she never told him, you know, why she was there. I, I could just see them all walk away saying, man, we got to start giving more to the church. Our pastor's wife, you know, selling basketball programs for crying out loud. It, but it never was about the programs. It was about the son. You understand? It's about the son. It still is about the son. You prioritize your life by your relationships. I know so many people who want, there's hardly anybody I know that doesn't want a wonderful relationship with God. Hardly anybody I know. But do you understand what that takes? In Berlin right now, there is a painting that hangs in one of the art museums by Adolf Menzel. Adolf Menzel lived until he was 90 years old. His last painting, he wanted to be of Frederick the Great giving a talk out in the field to his generals. And so he, he charcoaled in Frederick the Great and then he painted the generals and then he painted the landscape and in great detail, beautiful, 
Then he died. He died before he, he ever painted in the central figure. What you see is a beautiful picture with a little charcoal drawing of the main focus. Do you know how many people there are that fully intend for Christ to be the center of their life? But they don't put him first. They paint everything else. They do everything else. Thinking someday, I'm going to put Christ first. But what if someday never comes? Because you know what? There's enough going on around Christ that pretty much someday never comes. It wasn't that he, his life was taken, with, taken from him uh, unexpectedly. He was 90 stinking years old for crying out loud. He should have known he had a limited time. I don't care how old you are. You should know you have a limited time. Prioritize Christ. Make him first. Haddon Robinson used to, used to say, you know, um, he came across this, this uh, um, recipe for rabbit stew. Haddon Robinson was a, was a great preacher and a great teacher of preachers. And he, he, said, he said, I came across this recipe for rabbit stew one time, and I, and I read it. And, I, and, and at the top, it just said this, first, get a rabbit. You know, you want to be a Christian? Get Christ. Focus on Christ. This isn't rocket science. This is simple. He makes it simple for us. Prioritizing life is not about details and schedules. It's about who you love first, who you love often, who you love every day, how you arrange your life because of who you love. Understand what the will of the Lord is, the Bible says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, it says let me read some more. Let me start again with verse 15. Therefore, I'm going to read this in the context that it really is written. Keep looking carefully, then, how you are living out your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Keep making the best use of the time. Now, literally, in some of your versions of the Bible, it says redeeming the time. In other words, buying back the time. If we're not intentional about the time, we'll waste it. We won't take the opportunity that's right in front of us. We have to be intentional about that. So it says, buy back the time. Keep buying back the time because the way the world is arranged right now, we tend toward poverty. That's the Greek word used here, poneros. It means, it means you squint. Now, you ever heard, it, it's a, there's an there's a expression called giving somebody the evil eye? Like, that's giving somebody the evil eye, you know? You have a very narrow focus. And when you live by reaction, you have an evil eye. You just need to get that done. Then you just need to get this done. And you never, and the, the Bible says, he who has a healthy eye, hoplos, it means generous, it means wide open, sees the big picture. You gotta see the big picture. Who do you love? What kind of person do you wanna be? How do you want to look back at your life? That's the big picture. 
That's the big picture. That's what will bring you fulfillment. The other will only bring you frustration with yourself um, and, and, and kind of disgust how you, how you just kind of wasted your time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but keep understanding what the will of the Lord is. We grow in this, by the way. It's like any relationship. The better you know them, the more you understand them. And this is, a, this is a, this, it doesn't just dawn on you all of a sudden, oh, now I understand the Lord. It, it, you walk with him. That's how you understand the Lord in a situation. Now let me go to the next part. The next part is all about community, and that's what we're talking about here. Being a family of families, because it puts it in the context. So if you're going to do this, you can't do this by yourself. You've got to have a community. You've got to have people who will keep you on track. Let me, let me tell you Proverbs, uh, another verse in Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 15. Proverbs 15 says, Folly brings joy to the one who has no sense. In other words, most people just <clears throat> kind of live from one gratification to the next. What's going to make me happy right now? What's going to make me happy? And then it never does. Not for very long. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. In other words, who do you have around you that will help you keep on track? You know that phrase, right? Who do you have around that will help you keep on track? That will say, no, you remember what your priority is. You remember what God would say. You remember what Jesus would do. That's what we need. We need those around us. And so that's why in the next part of this, in Ephesians, starting with verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, remember? This is the present imperative, and it means I order you to keep getting filled with the Spirit. You don't get filled with the Spirit one time. You know, you can have an initial event where you feel the filling of the Spirit. By the way, the Spirit is in you as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't divide Jesus with, from the Spirit. You can say, I got Christ, but the Spirit's got to keep out. They're one. They're one. And so you've got the Spirit. But the goal is to be filled with the Spirit, going from resident to president. And that takes, the Bible says, continual, continual submission of your life to God as he fills you up, as you turn to him. And, and, and you got to do it every day, sometimes several times a day. Because I, I'll tell you something about us. We leak. We leak. And as soon as, as, soon as it fills, whoop, well, we're, you know, you can be filled with spirit and five minutes later be walking in the flesh. We, we, we leak. So it just says, keep being filled with the spirit. It says, speaking to one another. There it is. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And be, keep being subject to one another in the reverence, in the, in the fear of Christ. I was in St. Louis this week. <clears throat> and I'm a part of a national advisory board of a, <clears throat> of a, of a uh, center on religion and politics. It was founded by uh, John Danforth. Remember Senator John Danforth? Uh, Jack Danforth, he's, he, he was Episcopal priest and a, and a senator um, and always interested in, in how 
um, religion integrates with politics in a healthy way. <clears throat> so it, it was a room full of very bright people. It's, it's a part of Washington University. Uh, it's a scholarly um, um, event. Um, lots of people there from Yale and Harvard and, and so, so forth. I was the only no-count preacher there. Uh, but Danforth said something that just stuck with me. Listen to this. I, I, I just was struck by it. It was one of the, some of the wisest words I've ever heard in my life. He said, in essence, if God is love, then the objective of a battle isn't victory, but community. Think about that for a minute. That is so good. If God is love, then the objective of a battle or a conflict is not victory, but community. Apply that to your relationships just for a second. I know some of you husbands and, and wives kind of go at it every once in a while. I've, I've been listening in your door. And I know you just go after it every once in a while. And as soon as you get in a battle, the first thing you think is, how can I win? No, if you're prioritizing God and his nature, here's the priority. How can I come out of this argument closer to my spouse? Same thing with our friends, uh, with our friends. Same thing with other members of our family. Same thing with our communities. This is not about victory. This is about building relationships that will last. Profound. And so, Here's what I want us to, to concentrate on, or, 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 or at least recognize. <clears throat> we need to understand this is about one another. <clears throat> in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, this is what it says. <clears throat> it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, me first. Rather, to serve one another humbly in love. That's the key. Anytime I talk to people about setting priorities, I know they're thinking mainly about the mechanics of life. How do I get the mechanics of life to work better? That's not love. That's business. I heard a story one time about this farmer who put an ad in the paper for a wife. You know, they used to have... They used to advertise for spouses back in the day. This is way before eHarmony or Match.com or Christian Singles or whatever you got. You know, this is it. You know, we do it now, networking. But back in the day, you put an ad in the paper because you didn't have networks. So this is, this is what I put in. Farmer, 36, looking for a wife, about 30, who can drive a tractor. Enclosed picture of the tractor. <laughs> well, things may have worked that way back then. But I got to tell you, he missed something about marriage. He missed something about marriage. This is not about mechanics. We miss something about life when we think setting priorities about mechanics. No, it's about loving better. It's about being more like Jesus. It's about our God. And it's not, this is going to blow your mind. <clears throat> it's, 
it's not mainly toward how religious you are. William Temple, I love this. William Temple was once the Archbishop of Canterbury. That's the head of the Episcopal Church. Uh, or the Church of England, I'm sorry. Not the Episcopal Church, the Church of England. And he said something that was startling to me, but I think it's true. God is not primarily interested in religion. I love that. Jesus Christ didn't come to die for religion. He came to die for you. God is not primarily interested in religion. He's interested in people, all people, not just the one who are already included in his family, all people. So when we set priorities, this is how it should go. God first, the people he's given us to love, who we already have a relationship with, and the people he's given us to love who we don't have relationship with yet. And that's where the church needs to go. This is what, this is what it says in Colossians. By the way, I'm getting a message. Parents of Linda Rella, please report to the children's worship wing. I'm sure everything's fine. Um, your child probably just misses you. Okay, Colossians, put Colossians up there. Okay, put Colossians up here. There we go. <laughs> Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let me close with this. Some years ago, a guy named Gerald Jones was part of our pastoral staff here. Gerald, is a, I, I love Gerald. Gerald's just a great guy. And he's been through some health issues, and I want you to pray for him and his family. But he's just a terrific guy and and so when he was on the pastoral staff here and he rode a uh, he had a harley he had a motorcycle um at one time in his life at least and uh, so he said somebody in in my circles um said that a guy at the post time lounge post time lounge is right down here for those of you who are worshiping with us online it's the bar we're, we're located in between a bar and a dog track perfect place for a church perfect and so the post-time lounge is right down here. And he said, somebody in the post-time lounge um, died uh, in a motorcycle accident. And, uh, and they're not, you know, they're not church people. And they, they don't want to come to the church. But they want me to go down there and do their funeral in the bar. What do you think? All of us immediately said, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what you do. So he went down there. And he did this guy's, I don't know whether they had the casket there or not. I never asked him. Uh, but he did this guy's funeral. At the post-time lounge, in the bar. People sat in the table with a beer right in front of them, you know? And, and this was not normal for them. This was not normal to hear him talk about Jesus and, he, and about salvation and about the gospel and, and, and so on and so forth, about how much God loves us and, and, and so on and so forth. But he stayed as true to the gospel as he could. And after one point, he made a point that was really kind of resounding, you know? And he said, after... He made the point. There was this dead silence. And then there's a voice in the back of the bar that shouted out, I'll drink to that. <laughs> I love that. You know, some people don't know the word hallelujah. Some people don't know the word praise the Lord. They, they just know I'll drink to that. <clears throat> Perfect place for the church. Perfect place for the church. Because our priorities are not religion. Our priorities 
is who is God? Who is Jesus? And how did he love us? And who did he love besides us? Pray with me. Lord, thanks for this, this kind of correction about how we set priorities or don't set priorities. Lord, help us to set priorities by love, by our love for you, by how Jesus loved us and wants to love others through us. Lord, if there's anyone in, in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus as their savior, they're still walking around with all that sin clinging to them, weighing them down. Let them know right now they can be free by praying this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins too. And you offer me the gift of salvation and a brand new life. I want it. I want that right now. I accept that gift. Come and live in my heart and lead me from now on. For those of us who have already said that prayer, Lord, lead us. Lead us in love as to how to reorder our life so that when we get to the place where it's time to go, we can look back and say, I did what really mattered. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. <clears throat> As you're um, standing, let me give you some closing instruction before the benediction. First of all, remember that we have a prayer team. If you're on site here, they would love to pray with you, no matter what your prayer needs are. Second of all, if you said that prayer for the very first time and you're in this room, you have a little tear out on your worship guide that, that you can write your name in there, uh, give us some contact information, and just put beginner's Bible study. And we'll get you with some people who can guide you through the first steps of being a disciple. Um, and, and, and it's a great, it's just a, it's a short-term thing, but they will connect you also then with other folks that you can connect with. So you can have a spiritual family. Third, remember, children's ministry volunteers, we need you. Uh, anywhere in the, in the um, 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 foyer, they've got tables set up or in the hub. Uh, but man, we got great kids here. And, uh, and they can use you. You don't have to be a teacher. You can be a helper or you can be an administrator or a welcome person or whatever. They got lots of slots for different kinds of folks who like to do different things. But if you can, we'd love to have you. And then lastly, remember Nepal. Two weeks from today, over in the rink, they're going to have teams going one after another, room full of people, switching out every hour one after another. That's why you need to set up. We need to, we need to make sure that your shift... Uh, has you there so that there's a place for you to serve. But it is so fun to do that. I did this <clears throat> with the kids last Saturday and it was just a ball. And so if, if you can help, um, go ahead and you can go online and sign up or you can go in the hub and sign up. Okay, two minutes over. Let's go live like Jesus and then come back for more next week. See you.